0: to Sanctuary First and to The Late Show. And we have with us tonight, Laura Dagan.
1: Hello, everybody.
2: And our usual,
0: Doc Jimison. And our special guest this evening is someone who is known to the community, who is Campbell Dye. And Campbell is one of our, our regular writers and contributors. So welcome, Campbell.
2: Thank we you. Thank
0: you for coming on tonight, because in actual fact, we're going to do a, a deep dive into faith. And our theme tonight is, of course, the background here saying making all things new, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper and we're going to talk about living faith on the front line. And because at the end of the day, our faith has got to be able to connect with all the changes that come into our lives. when we live out in the front line, everything gets thrown at us. And we're living in the midst of just a, sometimes very, very dangerous places. And I know, especially in this podcast tonight, we're gonna be asking Campbell questions about uh, his own personal journey to faith. We're gonna be asking him questions about how he has found faith and what influenced him. But then we're gonna go further and we're going to be talking about how his faith has has impacted him uh, in his legal practice and then in his musical development and then in his charitable modification and, and I'm, I'm especially interested in that whole area because that's the front line because i know you've been out uh, over in near ukraine doing work there and that's a front line thing very much so. so and then we'll come back into seeing so what new things do we learn about god from being out in the front line and so that's where we're going. If you're listening in, that's where this podcast is going to take you. And I do hope that you're able to sit in and listen and enjoy it. So wherever you are, welcome and thank you for listening. And we're going to start off. So Luke Campbell, I want to start off with just saying, you know, what what about faith, your faith journey? How did it all start for you?
2: Well, I was I was lucky enough, Albert, to be Brought up, as you know, in a in a church family. My parents were both um very committed church girls. My dad was an elder, my mum, my mom ran the girls' brigade. Um, so you know, I, I grew up in a, a very kind of traditional Church of Scotland background, uh, Sunday school, Bible class. I was in the boys' brigade. Um, so I always had that church influence on me. But I think it was probably when I was at university that it began to mean something. It began to be something that seemed real to me rather than just a kind of social thing. There was a real spiritual dimension to it. Um, And then through adult life, I think it's, it's it's just kind of kept going. It's kept being real. It's kept being important. And it's kept being relevant as I've gone through life. You know, when you go through discouragements, it's been supported when I've looked for guidance. I've found guidance through prayer and listening and reading the Bible and stuff like that. So it's, it's always been there, but it, it, it just seems to become more important the older I get. What was it about the uni
3: experience, Campbell, that that kind of made and consolidated that
2: faith for you? What was it that that kind of brought it out? Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever been quite able to answer that. I mean, I think it, being at university was, was, a, was a great sort of challenging, different environment. And, you know, I suddenly... Mixing with people I'd never met before and types of people I'd never you know never come across. And and the course was very stimulating, and I enjoyed that. Um, and you well know we had a great social life as well. It was it was all good. And I think it was it was the combination of all of those things. And actually, you know, you sit around in university talking about great subjects, and I guess that was the first time I was really confronted by having to assess whether Christianity was real or it wasn't whether it was true or it wasn't because the one thing i don't think you can do with christianity is sit on the fence you know it's not a bit true mm-hmm. it's either true or it's not and so i think at university that was the first time i would really had to confront those and had the opportunity and the time to think about it and lots of different opinions and you can you can assess them and. Um, Despite the fact I studied theology at St an Andrews for a year as part of my degree, I came out with a with a faith that I was stronger than I went in. So, um, but I, I can't I can't put my finger on one particular. Opinion.
1: I can. I know that um, you know uh, Albert and uh, Ian have known you a long time. Now I was wondering who have who are the people that have been um, who have influenced. Your yeah, your faith now. I'm not saying that it's Ian and Albert, you know. So I'm <laughs> Clear, clearly, me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a miracle that he's still a Christian.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, knowing, knowing these guys, I mean, you know, you know where you know what a Christian looks like, I suppose. And take take that how you will. <laughs> um. Yeah I mean with I don't I don't want to uh, make him blush but I mean Albert has been a massive influence and a very very constant influence on me. And one of the things about St Andrews was that Ian got me involved in the music with Albert. Um and there was there was a time after I graduated before I moved to London where Albert and I were doing a lot of concerts where it was just me and him and we you know we do things like go to pubs or we go to church halls and yeah, we'd be doing a couple of things a week at one stage when we were trying to promote one of the albums, um, and what that did was it, it it gave me and Albert the chance to spend a lot of time getting lost on the M8, um, and therefore the chance to talk an awful lot. and we'd spend time just just talking, not not necessarily about weighty theological matters, but just how we saw the world and what was bothering us and how we were. Yeah, sort of reconciling the things that are troubling us. So Albert has been a, a very constant influence. Um, there's, there's a guy called William Taylor, who's another big influence. He's the uh, vicar of St. Helen's Bishop's Gate in London. And they do a fantastic lunchtime service. You're, you're in and out in less than 45 minutes. You go in and there's a hymn there's and there's prayers. There's a Bible reading. And then there's a very... Good talk. It's a very theologically rich, very theologically conservative type of place. Um, and William is one of the one of the. You know, he, he runs the church, and he often preaches. And he's he was a great sort of influence on me about ten years ago when I was going to those services when my offices were nearby. Really powerful preacher, um, and really uncompromising about the gospel. And I, I find that. At that particular time in my life, that was really important uh, in, in not fudging issues that the Bible talks about, not compromising on what we believe as Christians, but really setting out why there's a there's a kind of intellectual basis as well as an emotional basis for Christianity. Um, so, I, I guess if I were to pick two influences, those would probably be the two. Uh, and Ian, of course. I mean, Ian's an influence in all sorts of ways, not just in matters spiritual.
3: <laughs>
2: very kind of you to say
3: so. I, I, if I could land for a minute though on um, your man in London, No Campbell, because um, you know, knowing the job that you do, and people out there probably don't know, but you're a lawyer and you're in a very big law firm in London. Uh, you're a kind of, in in some ways, the archetypal London lawyer. Um, And, you know, I've experienced part of that world through you, um, visiting you down there um, and just being in amongst these huge towers of business and empire and walking the streets of empire, uh, you know, walking the streets of that massive global power that Great Britain once was. And here at the heart of this, there's a man speaking truth to that power in the sense of that and I wonder was did did that figure in your thinking, did that figure in the influence, did you find yourself being influenced by the history and the weight of what you do and where you were? And did you find that a counterweight? Or was it more natural than that?
2: I think it was a bit more natural than that. And I think I think when you work in the city, it's 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 just where you work. You know, it's it, if you work in a in a cafe in Bones High Street, that's where you work. If you work in the city of London, that's where you work. So you, you get kind of used to it as, as that. And it's it, it's only when you know you have a visitor from outside like like you are that you, you kind of look at it again and think, oh yeah, that is quite tall that building and that is quite blingy, that shop. And you know all of those things. Um it it wasn't so much that I think it was the it it was the the authenticity of the message and the clarity with which he speaks. Um, but I'm um, just picking up on your point about the city. I, I, I think I think people often think it's a completely godless place,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and it it isn't really. You know, I mean, we've got um, we've got a Christian group within our firm um, that we 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 um, we don't meet as often as we should because we're all spread out all over all over the country. But you know, we've got that, and um, there's a group of us go to various. Services roundabout when we can. Um, and you know, I know people who are who are working and living Christian lives. So it, it's there. I mean, I think one of the points about the city is this. I mean, the historian Niall Ferguson would say that, you know, the city was great. It worked really well when capitalism understood that. It was based on the blessings of God. When those who were generating vast amounts of income, vast amounts of profit, were believers, and yeah. and operated towards a Christian um, standpoint. So, so you have things like, you know, Robert Owen at New, New Lanark, you know, he's building decent accommodation for his workers. Lord Lever at Port Sunlight, you know, giving people decent wages and cultural. Um, activities as well as, as well as all of that. Now I think, I think this historian overstates the case I and mean, I think a lot of people are making a lot of money. but, but I think there was, there was always a kind of moral linkage to, to capitalism and I think we've lost that and I think you know some of the scandals that we've seen in our generations are because people have lost the understanding that with wealth comes responsibility. Not just in the way you generate it, but the way you use it, the way you distribute it, and I think that that linkage has been lost. So I wouldn't disagree with you entirely that the city is is a, is a place that is not on all fours with Christianity. But the, but there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of people who work there and go back to their own churches and live you know great Christian lives, doing great things, and use the money they earn there to do things with.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Did- Campbell, I was you had um messaged um you had said at the beginning about how you had um uh you had been involved with the boys brigade and I was just wondering um how does community fit into your community, your faith, you know, because that's like being in a community from like uh, like a, a youngster. So how's that carried on like throughout your faith journey?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's absolutely essential to me. I mean, God didn't make us as solitary people. He He made us as members of community. You know, the church is the community of believers in Jesus, whether that's on a on a global level or a or a, a local level. So, community is really important. I mean, we we took a decision when we moved to our villages that we wouldn't go into um the big lively church in 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 the big town near us but we would worship locally and you know we'd be part of that church because that that's being part of the community in, in a spiritual and in a physical sense so that's that's really important i mean i think um that the church shouldn't be isolated within its community i think the church has a has a big part to play in you know, delivering social justice, meeting the needs of people, being open, being accessible to all sorts of people. Um, and I think also within the church, you know, you've got... Responsibility sounds a bit too heavy-handed, but it's a joy to do, you know, to, to look after and be looked after by the people you you share a faith with. You know, there, there's, there's times when... Um, I've been able to help people because they've told me things that they wouldn't have told me if we weren't in the church community. And we've been able to be a help. And there have been other times where I've trusted someone, where I've been going through a hard time. I've trusted someone, talked to them, got the support there. Um, you know, we had we had one guy who, who, was, who was very ill, and his wife had four young kids. Um, and there was the endless supply of casseroles, coming through the door, you know, so she never had to cook for about six months. And my friend said he'd never eaten better, which I thought was a bit unfair on his wife. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great example of how, how these things work. So yeah, it's hugely important. I, just, I don't... And I, I, th- I think the other thing is Christians should be quite ready to talk about their faith. Um, it's not... Faith's a personal thing, you know, you, you have to have... That personal faith for it to be a real faith, but it's not a private thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something you only know, really you come home from church on a Sunday or or, or or finish you know sanctuary first broadcast or whatever, and you know it's like you take your hat off and put it on the shelf. I mean, that's that's not what faith is like. It feels to me that when you're kind of weary your faith all the time and you're ready to talk. Yeah, in in a sensible, responsive way to people. Yeah. Um, then, then it's, it's quite authentic. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I actually
1: found it whenever, like, in my in my old, like, my old life, you know, before ministry, I I was I actually was really quite astounded by how how open. People were because i just felt that like i had like i had to live authentically and like so my faith was like part of everything um and i thought well i can't hide it you know i'll share it and again sharing it in a responsible way and see the amount of people mm-hmm. actually that would like in the workplace that would ask you know could you pray with me laura could you know or and they would tell you things and they would you know and, like, because they knew that you had a faith, it was like, oh, you know, it, it, it was like a reaching out, wasn't it? And, like, grabbing hold, uh, just to see, like, it, something to hold on to, you know, like a wee extra, it's like a security. Can I, it just surprised me.
0: Can I make a wee interjection here? We, we have been, as you know, in Edinburgh with this, see, the windows and the resurrection and in my Sunday sermon in Sanctuary 1st this coming Sunday, we, we've we picked up these windows of resurrection and I put a different word beside each one. And one of the words is resting. The next one is resurrection. Like, typical good preaching, the three R's, rest, resting resurrection and then the the third one is recognizing and then the fourth one is restoration but the recognizing thing I want to talk about is the power of the resurrection that that is recognized in people who are people of the resurrection the life of Christ is in you and this resurrection power is begins to be recognized by people around you who then come to you and say I trust you because they see something of Jesus in you. And so it's Christ within you living in the working place, making a difference in the world. And it's not you at all. I was, I was going to say that,
2: Albert, that, that, you know, these conversations that I've had, you know, people at work or in the village, I mean, not so much in the village because they know I'm part of the church, but, you know, you bump into people and, and it's usually them that initiate the sort of the God conversation with me, I find. Um mm-hmm. I think, I think that's because you know, hopefully in the sense there's something a little bit different about us, in a good way, you know, that we're, yeah. we're, we're people who we want to get to understand a little bit. And yet in
3: my discipline and the job that I do, um, being uh, very, very open about your faith or having articles of faith around your consulting room, for example, um, or nurses wearing crosses, Um, or Muslim nurses wearing, you know, their their particular dress or whatever, it's very much frowned upon by a regulatory body. Um, And they would take a very dim view. Um, If um, you you hear about doctors who uh, pray with their patients, for example, and I've heard that, in fact, I've come across it in my professional life, Um, Mm -hmm. a very dim view is taken of that. Um, And that's quite difficult because... It's not you see it's not the case in every single job that it's so easy and of course my job we meet people very much in in emotionally vulnerable spaces um, and and it could be taken to be um, almost prostitutorizing people um, and th- that that's a difficulty that that I find you know in my own. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in my own in my own life. I mean, I think I've navigated that by simply being me across the board with whoever I am all the time. I think that's how I navigate that, just by being Ian, and everybody knows what I'm all about. Um, but it is but I guess what I'm what the point I'm making is that it can be difficult. And but I would imagine, Campbell, you'll be dealing with some quite vulnerable individuals as a lawyer and you know and and you know where do where do we here's a challenging conversation where do when do we bring that faith to bear for me it's always been if somebody asks me my honest opinion about something they'll get my honest opinion and they know that's going to be the honest opinion. I'm not going to hold back I'm just gonna tell them how it is as I see it but I have deep respect for everything else that they may think or believe or whatever. That's that's their thing. But if you ask me my thing, I'll tell you my thing. But how do you get rid of that, Campbell?
0: Campbell, can oh. I, before you go into Campbell, yeah, can I on. just make a comment to you, Ian, about what you were saying there? Mm. I think you need to hold on to the one thing. and um, um, Laura, or maybe Campbell will remind me who said this. But there was someone who said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. <laughs> I think that's very wise. That's exactly right. That's
3: exact. I I think that very thing.
0: No, and, and I think exactly that's funny. what you were trying to say there. I just wanted yes. to put that out there for people listening in to see what we're coming at. That sometimes it's not always if necessary use words, but it the recognizing that Campbell's been talking about is because. He's been living in such a way too that he's not been using words and then someone comes and he's able to respond back. But sorry, interrupted you there, Ian, but I just wanted to say that. No, that but way. it's beautiful, it's perfect.
3: It actually encapsulates exactly what I'm saying when I say I just do this kind of thing by just being me. People know what to expect, they know me. And it's I just, I mean, in
0: you, you know, it's like that, that recognition of Christ.
2: I, I think it is a minefield in any. Workplace now, actually, I think um, you know diversity and inclusion is rightly a big thing for employers of any of any scale, and um, employers are, are rightly really concerned to make sure that whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your race or religion or, or sexuality uh, or, or gender identity, you feel at home in the workplace. Um, the one exception to that. To me seems to be Christians um, because person sort of seems the default again. I'm not, but I'm not going to get into that because I, I think that there's a no whole But just to say that there's been some really interesting case law in England recently about um, a judge has recognized that traditional Christian views are beliefs that are worthy of respect and therefore preventing the expression of them is discrimination. So the, the, we're 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 maybe moving a little bit more back into what I would describe as proper freedom of speech and freedom of conscience, but that, that's that's to one side. And I think in terms of um, at work, um, most of the clients I work for are, are big institutions or they're really big companies. You know, the companies on the FTSE 100 index and stuff like that. Um, when I act for individuals, they're quite often. Um, how would I how would I put this um, you wouldn't criticize them for a lack of self-confidence
3: <laughs>
2: so so when they're in disputes um, it, it tends to be there they're not particularly vulnerable you know we, we, we don't we don't do the sort of law that helps people in in um, Law sense. I mean, we do we do some of that as pro bono, but our, our paying clients are, are big institutional things. And actually, it's it's a funny thing that um, you don't often find yourself in a position of moral conflict because you know, one of one of the most fundamental professional duties. So, two things I'll say. The first thing is that my first duty is not to my client. My first duty is to the court. I'm an officer of the court, and that's where my first duty lies. And the second thing is an absolute principle deeply enshrined in professional conduct that I cannot advise my client to break the law. So what those two duties mean is that I have to tell my clients, in my opinion, what their legal situation is. Now, that's, that's often quite a difficult message to get over, but there's, there's, a, there's a funny, um, I mean, obviously it's intended, but in today's society, you think it's unintended. There's an obvious parallel between kind of Christian Ten Commandments morality and the way the English law is in the 21st century. It's be, beginning to splinter off in places, but it, it, it's, it's actually quite a comfortable place to be as a believer, mostly, because you're saying to clients, right, this is what the law says. This is what you want to do. That's not lawful. You've got to do it this way. Or I think you're going to win your case because X, Y, and Z, or I think you're going to lose your case because X, Y, and Z. Here's how we try to manage that situation. Do
0: you know? can I tell you a funny story before we got about Sundaraj? Sindaraj is a, a banker, a bank clerk that I met in India uh, well, maybe many years ago, 15 years ago. And he's a wonderful, he's a part-time pastor in his church. And he told me this wonderful story. He told me that, you know, when he, he would sometimes get a, a message from God when he was he, across the counter to somebody and he would give them it, you know, and this is India, he would give them a message and he'd say, you know, I think you should be careful how you spend this money or whatever it was, <laughs> and he would tell them, you know. Or, and he had a notice at the back of his, this is in India, right? And he's got a notice in the back of his counter that says, as for me and my family, my household, we will serve the Lord, right? <laughs> so that's what he had about. As for me, we will serve the Lord. So uh, people used to come and ask him questions about things or, or he would say to them, the customers sometimes, he'd say, I will meet you outside the bank afterwards because I get a message for you. I've got something to tell you. You know, it, it, this prophetic ministry is an interest, very interesting gentleman lovely man so he told me this story that the inspectors came to the bank and they saw this as for me in my house we will serve the Lord and they called him in and they hauled him over the coals and he was to take that down you see and he he said to him they said to him you know you're proselytizing and he said no I'm not proselytizing I'm just saying as for me <laughs> we will serve the Lord. I'm just letting people know where I stand, but I'm not passing judgment on anyone else. They said, take it down. So he said he took it down. And at the end of the night, his boss, who'd been in and all of this, came round to him and said, Sundaraj, would you pray with me? Because I've just had bad news about something in his family. And Sundaraj is praying with his boss again. So but it was just, he was trying to say, be faithful in what you do. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it was just a lovely little story about someone who got called, pulled over the coals, but at the end of the day, the reality was his boss needed his prayers. Mm-hmm. And it's back to what you've been saying about workmates and people, they know reality and they know authenticity when they see it. Yeah, and
3: they also know that you're, Well, certainly in my case, maybe not you guys, but they also know when you can be flawed. I mean, I really am referring to me here. Um, (laughs) They pretty much all know how flawed you can be. Um, Campbell, I maybe wanted to switch gears for a second. You and I have played together in bands for longer than I care to remember. A very, very long time. Um, In terms of your musical development, I, I seem to recall... the. The very first time you and I ever struck a chord together um, was through our faith and our shared faith, um, and through through the through the love of the place that we grew up as well. But there was faith throughout everything that we did. So tell me a little about a bit about that. How has music, first of all, brought you closer to Christ? But how is your
2: making music in Christ. How's that developed? Yeah, really interesting. I and mean, I think it I think it, it works both ways, as you're suggesting in your question. I mean I've always found music about God, about Jesus, to be um, really stimulating, really important, um, and connects with me at a level that's deeper than non-Christian music. Quite often, I mean, some of it's rubbish, isn't it? I and mean, let's be honest about that. Some of it's cheesy and math and yeah, you know, don't listen to it. But there's some great Christian music, um, you know. Whether it's whether it's somebody like you know Martin Smith from Delirious, or it's Handel, you know, the Hallelujah Chorus, or it's the sheer sort of emotional impact of something like Mozart's Requiem. You know, it's just this amazing power that music about God and relating to Christ has. So I've always been interested in that. I still listen to a lot of it. And, you know, um, it's great to go to Winchester Cathedral, which is just down the road and listen to the choir. It's just beautiful. Um, But I've also found that as a a writer, and as a performer of music, um, two, two things. One, when I'm, when I'm writing, I think I write better stuff when the output is about God than when it's about, I don't know, you know, in the old days, chasing girls and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also when we play, I mean, Albert, you and I have all experienced this mm-hmm. and I've never experienced it in a secular game. But when you're playing live, there can sometimes be that moment where you just feel that the Holy Spirit has walked into the room and everything prickles. And it's like the band is just enveloped in this bubble. And it doesn't matter that Albert decides to change key in the middle of a song. You're able to do that. Or Albert invents a new verse you didn't know existed to the song. You know, it doesn't matter because you're in that space where the Holy Spirit just works. And i d I've not, I mean, I don't know if you have eat, but I've never experienced that in a secular environment. No, I think, I think the this, secular thing is totally different. Sorry, I was gonna
3: say the, the secular thing is also brilliant. Um, but it's brilliant in a completely different kind of a way. It's it's brilliant in a technically good way, um, and and the you know the pride of a job well done, um, but there there is nothing like the the space that opens up below you, above you, and to the side of you that happens, and to the front and back of you when the Holy Spirit comes and sits within a, a piece of music, um, and and as a singer um, it. The, there's something that happens to the voice in those moments that is quite transcendent, I think. I don't know what it's like for people listening to it, but certainly for somebody who's blessed with actually uh, giving voice to, to the words, um, it, 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 it's quite, quite amazing. And I think there's the other thing where when you write a piece of music and you strike at the heart of something that God wants to say, you yeah, know, God, yeah. occasionally that'll happen when we're writing I think all of us writers and all of the Christian writers listening to this will have had that moment where suddenly a word or a phrase or, or, or the way that it sounds in a, in the meter and the tune, it's just, that's what God wanted to say in that song.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's that's an amazing thing. That's, it, that's the most incredible blessing, I think. Um, and I think you learn it. And the other thing I think is that when you come to play it the second, third, fourth, a hundred and fourth time, um, it means something different. Yeah. The next time
2: you do it, yeah. I, that's something else. Well, There's always freshness feel- about it, isn't it? I mean, it feels yeah. like it sometimes feels like not not in the way it may sound. It sometimes feels like it's the first time you played it. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I mean, Albert, what do, you do what's what your take on all of this? Because I mean, you know we've done uh, all I, these gigs together. I, that I think games. I agree entirely. I mean.
0: I I'm just going to ask Laura in a moment too but I mean I agree entirely I mean I feel so sometimes I've been wait, singing with Ian has been is one of the one of the greatest privileges I have ever had in my life I just love it when we sing together because I think it's it just it, there's something as a bond when we sing together that it, I, I don't find anywhere else
3: yeah it's a special thing
0: Yeah, you
3: know Laura's sitting here thinking I've heard this I'm not quite getting this <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, i said no, say there is something whenever, because uh, like I know myself whenever, um, whenever I've been in the worship band, uh, and there was there that but like to me, it, 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 there's something about it and you can't it can't be replicated, do you know? And it's like a feeling that just cannot be replicated, and it's just this, you know, it's a complete. Abandonment to the music in the spirit, you know, and trusting where the spirit's going with. It. And I think the times that I have like been singing in the worship band, I actually think that's the closest times that I've you know some of the closest times I've been to God. I feel as if God was just there, you know, just just there next next to me. And uh, and I played in like you know secular bands, you know, like when I was younger, and. And even though like I loved being on stage, you know, oh I, you couldn't get me off the stage, like I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that that there's there's nothing that compares to to whenever you're actually including God and in, and that in the music and the experience with you.
0: It's a bit like Nothing <laughs> Connor. Nothing compares, <laughs> nothing That's that.
2: compares mm-hmm. isn't it? It's yeah, <laughs> funny when you're you know, when you're when you're playing a band. Um, I mean, Ian and I have had this loads of times, where you both recognise that moment.
3: Oh, oh.
2: You can you can tell the moment where things take a turn for the better. Um, and it's just it's just. Yeah, I mean, as Laura says, it's just unique, and there's that closeness, there's that intimacy. Um, between the people on stage and hopefully with the people who are who are listening and, and, and uh-huh.
1: listening. I've always found that the people that are, that are you know the people that are that are you know singing to or, or watching or listening they are they are part they're of Is well. that intimacy Absolutely. as well?
0: i think mm-hmm. i think that's so important to say that too because if people's listening in they might just think we are a group of of, of, of loving musicians loving one <laughs> another talking about stuff it's much deeper than what we're talking about that it is yeah. i think it's almost the spirit of god in us in a worshiping community mm-hmm. it, it, it music is part of it but it can be also in other ways like so if even i felt today down in St Cuthbert's in that art installation with the the, the, the stain the stained glass all across the the, the, the the church. It it was beautiful. But at the back of it was Alan Hewitt's music just you know linking the that the peace of Christ coming through the whole thing. Yeah, quite wonderful. Quite Absolutely. wonderful Absolutely. And what's next for you musically Campbell?
3: Well
2: do you know In faith. In faith. Um, Well, you and I need to finish some songs that we've had written, or half written, or quarter written, or (laughs) a vague idea, or here's here's a note. Um, That that difficult fourth album. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, can I wonder if
0: I can make a wee link here? Vivaldi. What do you know about Vivaldi, Campbell? I
2: I know he was a priest in Venice.
0: Well, do you know what I didn't realise was that Vivaldi, when he started composing his music, he sold the tickets for his music in order to pay for food for orphans. Really? Oh.
3: Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's when, he, that's when he started his music. His, people would come to hear his music and the money he made, he used it to feed orphans.
1: Do you know And you just think how God, like God, blessed them, and then God, go, with with that intention behind the music, you know, it's no wonder that it's lasted throughout <laughs> all these hundreds of years, and uh, you know, and is still blessing people now.
0: Well, I, th- I, mean, I thought it. this would be a nice little lead-in to talk to you, Campbell, about your charitable interests. You know, Not not that your music, well, your music may very well be feeding orphans, but I do know that you have just recently been making, you've made a trip, to, I think it was, was it to Poland?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting. If, if, you know, I got loads of different reactions, depending on what I said. I mean, people said, how was your weekend? And have I said, um, yeah, I spent a bit of time driving on European motorways. They were like, oh, okay. Um, if I said I drove a transit of humanitarian aid to the Ukrainian border, they were like, "Wow, that's really heroic." But the two things were the same. I mean, it was um, it was fascinating. We 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 I won't bore you with the whole story, but basically, we managed to get a transit van, all you know, stick it up with you know a little help from Hampshire, and we filled it with stuff like blankets and hand sanitizer and. Face masks, which were needed, and lots of kind of personal care products that refugees were needing, or people in, in uh, bombed-out villages were and towns were needing. Um, packed the van, packed the trailer, and we drove um, all the way to literally the, the, the border. We could see we could see into Ukraine. We, were, we didn't go into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some guys that we we made a connection with who are running a, a relief charity in in. Um, Ukraine came over and we met them on the, the Monday morning and gave them all the stuff and then we drove back. Um, so we left we left Hampshire on the Friday night, got back on the Tuesday night, um, and we yeah you know, it, it was fascinating because you know where we were staying on that night before the, the drop was in this little town about three kilometers from the, the border. We were in eastern Poland, and you know people were hanging out there washing and painting their doors and walking their dogs and playing football. And the hotel we were staying at, the car park, was full of Red Cross minibuses and lorries and buses. And the hotel was populated by relief workers and refugees. Um, And those kind of two, the, the normality of it and the abnormality of it side by side was... Was quite astonishing um so we did that and the 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 guy the guy who i know i'm not going to name them because they're they're obviously in in ukraine but they're doing fabulous work um i was able to get he, he needed medicine because of the contacts my firm's got in the nhs we were able to get him some contacts that established some supply chain potential supply chains for him and we're now working with him to try to um find people who want to come out and be sponsored to come to the UK for for a while um and we're trying to build a kind of network here so, so Ukraine is my kind of focus at the moment um and the, I think the reason for that is I mean most Christians are very good at putting their hands in their pockets you know we, we we're, 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 we're good at doing that and and rightly so and that's a, that's a great thing to do but it's very rare when something really big like the ukraine war happens that we have the opportunity to go and do something about it mm-hmm. to to actually put ourselves to some inconvenience and i thought look you know, what's what's one van what's one van going to do you know are we are we just are we just virtue signaling you know are we just are we just you doing this for our own conscience and we got there and the guys were like, Yeah, we really need this stuff. We really need this stuff. And they sent us a photograph of um a hospital in um, Mariupol with um with the masks that we'd we taken over. So you were enabling actually enabling healthcare to get on. So it, it wasn't it doesn't seem to have been a waste of time. Um and it was it was hugely um enriching, I think, to to have done it and just trying to find other ways of continue to help the, the guy the guy who um, helped to organize it um, or who, whose idea really it started off as um, has got some great connections in the music business he's, he's putting together a, a concert um, at the moment with some really really big names um, so hopefully that will work and that'll be a big venue so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the vogel band on the, on the on the list of artists <laughs> Good
1: man. <laughs> you know, Campbell, that's really, it's, it's, I think people listening, you know, I, I think that really inspire them because, you know, I think there's so many people that actually want to do practical, you know, like they practically want to help. It's, it's all right. I, oh, I we can like donate money. But actually, I think money's getting tighter for people, you know, now, but actually see to be able to practically do something and it's that way you feel as if you've contributed. You know, you've actually made a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's actually like the washing the washing the feet. It's actually uh-huh. getting down and doing something. Uh, yeah, that's
2: uh, tangible and needs mm-hmm. to be done. And but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff in the Bible, isn't there, about everybody. You know, we're, we're all parts of the of the one body. We've all got a different functions of different roles, and, and this. This kind of refugee project that we're trying to get off the ground in the villages i think is a, is a a working out of that because there's some people like like us who've got a house that's got space where we could probably host a, a refugee family but but not everyone can do that but they're go, they're going to need help with finding jobs they're going to need English lessons, they're going to need a garden to go and play in with the kids, they're going to need help to understand how to get shopping done, where the buses are you know, there's, so there's a role, the way I'm looking at it is there's a role for everyone you know, we've, we've got some fabulous um uh, you know, older individuals who are great at praying, they're great at baking they're great at just talking, they're great at knitting, there's, there's a role for them, you know, there's people who Um, I've I've got, you know, no space because they're packed out with kids, but they've got their own kids who could offer play functions with with everybody else. Everybody's got a role to play. And it goes back to the community point, Albert. You know, we we, we can act as a church community without shouting that we're doing this for Jesus. But we're doing it for Jesus because, because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, it's that reflecting back of... What we believe as Christians, and I'd love to be able to, you know, we'd we'd love to get six families or something. It may not work because there's a lot of paperwork, and you know, I've got a dog that barks a lot, so that you know, the bureaucrats might not think it's suitable for, for housing people. So there's lots of obstacles to get over, but we've we've got potentially we've got one family coming because um, one of, one of the people who wants to host um, is already cleared. And the lovely thing about that is they're not part of the church community. Um, but they're,
0: part of the wider... This they're, they're, Church Without Walls, which, you know, mm-hmm. has been at the heart of all, of all our thinking in Sanctuary First. They, 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 and I remember talking to Ron Williams a few years back about this, you know, and they, he had said, yeah, this door, it they, they says in Revelation, behold, I set before you an open door, which no man would close. And he said... That's the open door for the church to walk out of their buildings <laughs> into the world to meet Jesus. Because Jesus isn't in the church, he's in the world. He's there. Coming come and join Jesus. Yeah, in that <laughs> come out, your church. Yes, come out. Come out.
3: <sighs> yeah, so very true. Campbell, I'm gonna uh, this I think this is was was going to be a question Albert was gonna ask you, but I'd like to ask you because right. I am um, I really want to know. This year, um, yeah, I've known you for probably over half your life now. I think. Um, what new thing have you learned about God?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's. I think it's don't be surprised when he comes knocking. I mean, I had no idea. Back at Christmas, that. I would be driving towards a war zone before Easter with tons of medical humanitarian aid. I had no idea I'd be driving towards a war zone, you know, overtaking convoys of rocket launchers and stuff like that. I mean and yet when the opportunity arose, I had no doubt that I was being called to do it. It was it was Dead obvious. I remember um, hearing Rick Warren and Kay Warren um, from Saddleback talking at a conference a few years back, and they were saying the the problem with Christians is we 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 try to build this fence. It's like you know we say to God, you know, you can you can come you can come up to the fence, but don't come beyond it. Don't don't you know. Don't ask me to do anything that touches on my family. Don't ask me to do anything that touches on my, my home. Don't ask me to do anything that touches on my wealth. And, you know, that, had a, that hit me right between the eyes at the time. But
3: uh,
2: this, this was really a, something, you know, it was a weekend driving. But, you know, nonetheless, it really struck home to me that God is, is, is really inviting us to be open to the newness of what he's doing. And I, I you know, the, the more I see of, of Christians and of churches and of God at work, there is no restriction on His newness. There's no limit to what He is capable of doing, or what He desires to do with people. You know, He just wants to He, he, he wants to remake them time and time again. Um, you know, one of the pieces I wrote, I talked about second chance, but so it's, it's more than that. I mean, every, everything's a new chance with God, isn't it? Every, everything's a new oh. opportunity to engage with him, to listen to him. Have you
0: heard Jim Jim Steele's song that he sings in Sanctuary 1st, God of 70 times 7? 7. Oh, <laughs> oh it's yes. It's a great song. If you've not yeah. heard it, I think you and you've heard it, 70 times 7, it's a great song, isn't it, great, it? It's
2: a great idea, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the God of 70 times 7 chances. You know, and I think that's so wonderful. And here's the final thing, and we might ask everyone around the wee group to do this one too, but um, what have you learned new you, about yourself?
2: Hmm. Um That I am capable of trusting more in God.
0: Than you thought you were.
2: Than I thought I was. And that's, that's maybe, I'm maybe cheating there because that's maybe over the last two or three years. And I think, something that has struck me throughout lockdown is the kind of blessing that we as a, as a family group had. And, and you know that, that's, not, that's not to belittle the horrors that, 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 that people have had, but um, surviving suddenly became a blessing. Well, we suddenly realised it's a blessing. Uh, and you know we lost a, a close family member during it. So I'm not, I'm not um, belittling it. You know it, it was it was hard and it was tough for people. But but the sense of gratitude that I learned, um, and I think that's staying and that's re- reflecting back on that. So yeah, um, trusting, being grateful to God and trusting that He He really He truly is good. He really truly has what is best for me in mind.
0: John, I think I know I'm not going to get a bit political here, but what you have just reiterated there is part of the hurt that people feel that's happened in government. Because while people were grateful for just so much, it seemed as though at the center of government there was a very nonchalant attitude towards it all. Mm-hmm. And and it's that, that and I think that's part it's just a it's a comment about hurt and about just the pain that people feel and that it's not because they're angry it's just the pain they feel that, that it, it was that the the gratitude is has been that they should have that people all every all of us should have had it, we, it, it was kind of um, thrown to the thrown to the wind but anyway that's another thing to talk about but Ian any, what new thing have you learned about God this year?
3: Life can a, life can change in a second. In a second, your entire life, everything about everything you ever believed about yourself or knew about the future or thought about your past can change in a second, in a heartbeat, and it has for so many people. Um, has recently for a friend of mine just a couple of days ago. Um, Things can just happen straight out of the blue and there was before and then there's after. Hmm. But I think that sometimes when you get hit by a truck or you get blessed beyond your wildest imaginings, in the aftermath of that, in the, in the silence that comes after the storm, in the silence that comes after the, the dramatic events that you may have been party to or witnessed to or been part of, um, God will often leave you with this profound sense of deep gratitude that you feel just before you go to sleep at night and every morning when you wake up which is something I have to say that I think I always, I, I think I remember feeling that way. And I think there was a while I didn't feel that way because they was so busy and so focused on everything else. And then sometimes you just need a reset button. And that's an incredible blessing. So I guess what I've learned is that sometimes things can happen that don't kind of feel like a blessing. They feel like you've been kind of blasted into little pieces. But actually... That's the blessing. Mm. It's going to feel that like gratitude at the end because you know you're still loved.
0: Ian, you again have summed up my wee bit of my message for Sunday because the first sermon point on Sunday is resting. And it's to do with the the 12, the twelve, six pair of hands that laid the body of Jesus in the tomb and the struggle of Christ on the cross and all, all the pain that he suffered and then it was finished and then these hands Joseph of Arimathea, and, and, and Nicodemus and there must have been another hand there must have been at least three of them maybe four of them they take the body down and then they carry maybe three on each side and they carry that body and they lay it in the tomb and they rest the are resting and that's the gratitude the resting of the body and then of course there's this great resurrection, but but this resting, we need to lay our burdens down. Sometimes we're going to be using your song. I think it's Ewan Campbell's song, "Lay Your Burden Down" on Sunday. And it's just such a beautiful song. Uh, but that that resting is important. That
3: is a nice song, actually. That's right. That is. We, we were resting. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Lay it down. What new do thing have you learned about God or yourself this the last year?
1: Last year, or oh, I think um, what I learned about myself was is I had more depth to me than I ever realized, um, and that uh, actually that's you know there's 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 more. Um, I think I got I kind of always kind of thought that I get by in personality, and then I realized actually there is much more. Um. Thanks to the Lord, and what I realized as well about God is, is, nothing's impossible with God. Like nothing, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter how difficult something seems, um. Or actually, just you know, it, it seems as if like you're hitting a wall. Actually, when you get when you when you're following God, when you're listening to God. And he's just going to lift you up, and he's going to carry you. And it might be you might be buffeted about, you might have ever since thrown at you, but he's got you. And so that's that's what I've learned.
0: Well, you know, I think that's a lovely point to to, to maybe close on tonight. Thank you so much, Laura, for that. And. Thank you all for being part of this, and especially you, Campbell, for allowing yourself to become the focus of our attention in order that <clears throat> in order that we could talk about uh, living faith on the front line. And I do think we have been fair to that topic, and I do think we have tried to address some of that in this uh, in this podcast. And uh, so, thank you so much, Campbell, for being with us today and sharing. Always oh, a pleasure.
2: Always oh, a pleasure.
0: Uh, and again, thank you, of course, to Ian and to, uh, to Laura. Mm-hmm. Next month, we're going to tackle a, complete, uh, a, a an interesting subject that runs on from this refugees. And it's going to be, our podcast is going to be put, is going to go out during Refugee Week at the end of June. And so we're going to have uh, one or two really interesting guests. And we're going to have Masood on. And Masood is someone who has, uh, has, has been applying for a eh, refugee and an asylum in, in, in this country. And it's just come through recently, but eh, there's always strings attached to these things. And we'll hear more about that next week or next month. But it's again, I suppose, again, exploring faith on the front line eh, mm-hmm. in, in these areas of, of, of life. And the, the, these late shows are all about trying to make our faith alive and connecting with people help us to do that it was Jodoma last month and it's Campbell died this month and thank you so much for what we've learned from you Campbell and so until next month we'll catch up again have a great month and God bless you wherever you are and remember all things can become new in Christ so until next time God bless God bless bye 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 bye